Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you. You are here. And that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. This is our, it's our weekly time where we, we do a, an extended thank you. To all of our fellow conspiracy realists who make this show possible, we're so grateful that you are here, and we cannot wait to share some messages from you in this week's listener mail segment. We're going to learn about some fellow authors. We have many in the audience. Uh, we're going to learn uh well, we're going to talk about, we're going to interrogate a very interesting conversational prompt about the purpose and... Uh, the design of humanity and the spread of that species. And then I think we're going to end with a, a little, little grab bag, some teasers for some upcoming episodes that will strike a chord with you, uh, as well as just some, some friendly uh, letters from our conspiratorial home of stuff they don't want you to know. We start today, right? We tease this idea. Uh, we love, we love creative minds. We love artists, we love musicians, we love authors, we're all three of those. And, uh, and Noel, uh, we're talking about this a little bit off air, we received just a, a wonderful piece of correspondence that I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I, I found it touching and inspiring. For sure. And this is a case where we can definitely use uh, this individual's government name because they are a published author. Alex Crespo, subject of the email, you're in my book acknowledgments. That's so cool. Thanks, Alex. Matt, Ben, and Noel. 
Okay, so I'm a traditionally published author, and the subject line kind of says it all. But here's a little background for flavor. I started listening to the podcast in 2017 because I needed something to make my commute to my boring 9-to-5 job a little more bearable. That ritual quickly became the highlight of the day, and listening to you guys helped me revive with the bizarre imaginative part of my brain that had been atrophied by corporate America. Derogatory. (laughs) In parentheses. Uh, All of my daydreaming solidified eventually into a book idea, and St. Juniper's Folly was born. It's a young adult gothic mystery in which a straight-laced golden boy and a novice witch team up to rescue a Mexican-American teen with a cryptic past who's become trapped inside a haunted mansion in Vermont. Wow, all the stuff. I love it. Uh, And it's coming out June 6th. This book is a patchwork of so many topics you guys have discussed on the podcast, from ghost stories to witch trials and psychokinesis. Uh, And I truly feel like the show had a hand in shaping it in the best way possible. I've attached a pic of what I actually said in the acknowledgments, but I want to thank you directly for sharing the stories that you do and adding a little extra wonder and mystery to everyone's lives in the process. I'm a full-time author now, so my commute is walking 10 feet from my bed to my desk, and I get to listen to the show as I travel to signings and author events, which feels like a very cool full-circle moment. And now you guys are authors, too. What a time to be alive. Anyways, much love. And if you want signed copies, I'd be happy to send some over. Yes, please. P.S. You can feel free to read this on the air and use my name if you want. Um, and then he signs it, Alex. And uh, looking at, let's see, let me open the attachment here. Because we, we don't always open the attachments. But when they come from trusted sources, like published authors, we we do do that thing. Um, so <laughs> let's see. Oh, goodness. <sighs> We're yeah, we are, sort of. It reads as follows. Uh, thank you to Matt, Ben, and Noel of Stuff They Don't Want You to Know, who supplemented so much of my supernatural research for this book and have kept me company on every commute and long-haul flight for years. Man, we don't usually read emails, like kind of people just kind of big upping us uh, and, and expressing appreciation. Um, but this one just felt a little special because, you know, these stories inspire us too. And I think in our creative work as well, outside of the show, whether it be Ben, your fiction writing, my and Matt's kind of music writing, I think you can't not be affected by this stuff. And to be able to kind of be a platform that someone is getting any kind of inspiration from, whether it be, uh, you know, literary or otherwise, uh, feels really, really cool. I just want to point out, Alex, that whenever you uh, refer to us, the order should be Ben, Matt, and Noel. We have always said it that way, and that is the way it shall stand. Alex, I oh, demand a read, <laughs> whatever. Freak out, freak out. <laughs> We're slaves to the alphabet. Yeah. The, uh, the, it's funny because, um, Alex, I went and, uh, I went ahead and pre-ordered St. Juniper's Folly, mainly because flattery gets you everywhere. Kidding. Uh, like Noel said, we we greatly appreciate this, and uh, hopefully, as every longtime listener knows, it is very important to us to support uh, creativity in any in any form or fashion you find it. Uh, Alex, just want to give you a creepy heads up. I follow you on Twitter now, uh, and and it's it's fascinating to realize just how how connected. The world can be. I I wish that I had already read Saint Juniper's Folly before we before we got to this listener mail. But uh, I for one am excited. Noel, sorry if we read just a little bit of the like the blurb on the back. Oh yeah, please. All right. So 
without spoiling too much, Alex, you're you're so kind to us. We don't want to we don't want to spoil things. Uh, let's give one of the many reviews that you can find on. Let's see, this is Amazon. The Bulletin for the Center of Children's Books gave this a starred review. This stood out particularly to them, and they said teens feeling stuck in various identification boxes in the Sisyphean cycle of school days or in the sometimes poisonous, sometimes nurturing bounds of family will likely relate to Jamie, that's the main character, to Jamie's yearning for freedom. And this remarkable debut novel carefully explores these struggles with grace and sympathy. Theo, Jamie, and Taylor are unforgettable. That's kind of cool. And and again, like Alex said, like you said, Noel, we haven't read the book yet. So we're kind of we're kind of excited. June 6th, it's on the way. Let's see. This will come out before the the book is available. But that's kind of cool. It makes me think, you know, we've had some a lot of conversations off air about the current resurgence and banning books in the United States. You guys have been reading about that too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it also goes back to, you know, the topic that we kind of discussed and we didn't kind of discuss, we totally discussed in the previous Strange News episode, the idea of banning certain types of concerts, you know, in Mexico as a result of uh, drug violence. And not to say that uh, the two are exactly the same, but we kind of ended that segment talking about how banning a thing is a, is a surefire way of, of spreading it further. Because, you know, when you ban something, it's just going to make people more curious about what it is that they're missing. People do not like to be told what to do, what to read, what to listen to. So, yeah. Well, you know what y'all are missing? Hmm. Hmm. Pictures of Hex, Alex's cat. cat. <laughs> yeah, who is in the acknowledgments. Yes. <laughs> Their pictures are adorable. Mm-hmm. We are fans. We are big fans of uh, pet pictures. And that's another reason why we love these weekly, this weekly listener mail segment, because we do get to, I don't know, it's not quite like the letters from home with Prairie Home Companion or something like that. But we're, um, we do spend a lot of grateful time. You know, Matt is always running point. On the amazing voicemails we get, we read every email we get, and we we try to keep track of social media. Uh, it's a lot, but we're we're very fortunate to be here. It is nuts, by the way, to realize our age as a show when we have people writing to us because they've had their first kid or they just you know got married or they graduated, and there's always that line in there, you guys, where they say, "I grew up watching you on YouTube." <laughs> Mm. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it uh what what's that old uh was it David Byrne? I think about the passage of time. What was that song? Yeah. Oh gosh. I don't know. Oh, maybe uh once in a lifetime. I'm not sure exactly the lyrics. Is it where he's but, like uh, uh singing in my mouth? Oh, of course. Yeah, 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 singing in my mouth. Yeah, the, the one where he sings to the lampshade and then the Out of context, that sounds like a weird lyric. It's a great uh, lyric. <laughs> it was also the way he sings it because Byrne has a way a way with the cadence of words because oftentimes mm-hmm. the meaning of the words, the lyrics themselves are uh just part of the equation and the way that they're sung and the rhythm and the tune is is a big part of it too which mm-hmm. is the same uh, case for the english language <laughs> you know mm-hmm. you say shakespeare's just words put in order i think mark from uh 
Peep Show had that to say very sarcastically. No, it wasn't. It wasn't actually. It, you're in right. Show. It was Mitchell and Webb. It was in Mitchell and Webb. It was the the episode that's sort of like lampooning um, Gordon Ramsay, mm-hmm. uh, torturing a poor uh, local chef who's got a failing restaurant. But Shakespeare is indeed words just put in order. Um, but uh, it's got to be the right order. You got to crack the code. So to all you authors out there who are putting words in order, we we salute you. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think it's some kind of superpower like? If the words are sung into your mouth, like you could somehow capture them and then like send them back (laughs) out or... I know this one's a little short, um, but I thought it was it was worth worth talking and giving a little uh, shout out to one of our listeners that's also making creative work out there. But um, I wanted to bring something up just at the tail end of this, talking about the power of words and uh, the ubiquitous co- topic of conversation of artificial intelligence and specifically AI art. Um, a friend of mine, a really 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 creative artist who you know does all kinds of analog art, you know, with paintbrushes and the like, and all kinds of you know uh, textures and various things, and is also an incredible musician has really been getting into AI art uh, lately. And I want to send you guys uh, really quickly a handful of his pieces. And let's talk a little bit about the power of words as it pertains to AI art, because at the end of the day, AI art is all about figuring out what prompts to give to this algorithm to create something that no one else nor the algorithm itself on its own could ever possibly create the so spells I, you cast exactly That's what it is, you're casting yes spells. you are casting spells. i just texted this to you guys um and these are some unsettling and gorgeous images uh and again this is now the secret sauce this guy danny carrie bailey uh you can find him on instagram as, as his art and his music um he's a really really talented to dude here in Atlanta. Um, I just am blown away by some of the stuff that he's doing, literally speaking these things into existence. You know, some of them are kind of in the style of Hieronymus Bosch. Some of them are like government buildings with alien crafts landing outside, surrounded by hooded figures. Um, you know, children wearing these bizarre masks. A lot of these just really have these ritualistic vibes. And while I'm sure there's a couple that he probably did say something about Hieronymus in terms of the style, this is stuff that, like, I think he probably had to learn learn how to speak to this algorithm in such a way that the idea in his head is more or less translated, you know, onto the page or the screen. What do you guys think of these? It's quite disturbing. Um, they're really well done. I mean, you're right. Like, he's gotten it correct to where... I don't know what editing has been done on these photos after they were, you know, initially generated. I don't think much at all, if any. Maybe some color correction, but it's certainly these are not composites. These are singular creations of uh, specifically of Mid Journey. Got you. I'd be interested to. Sorry, it took me a second to uh, get my phone. I would be interested in seeing the prompts, Danny. Uh, though I understand they may be proprietary, they are a bit of a secret sauce. A lot of the forums I participate in uh, regarding this great, challenging discourse, uh, they do hinge on on the idea of prompts. And a lot of people have created their kind of a, their own system for this stuff, and. And they play it close to the chest, which I completely understand. But Danny, very well done. Color me impressed. Well, if you want to check out more of his work, his name is Dan Carey Bailey. Uh, he's a composer and an artist, and you can find him on Instagram at Dan Carey Bailey or on his website, uh, dot 
So with that, let's take a quick break, and then we'll be right back with some more messages from you. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. And we've returned, guys. This is going to be one of those that I play a message for you that you're going to hear maybe for the first time. And then we're going to just chat for a minute. You ready? It's going to get weird. So stoked. So stoked, bro. That's how I know you're super involved and interested, Ben. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, well, here we go. You can, you can see me, though. You can see me on this, on this remote platform we're using to record, and I am staring at you because I am indeed stoked. So stoked. All right, here we go. Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, just listening to your episode about a basis species. I had kind of a thought pop into my head on my drive here. And uh, so we talk about how humans have essentially spread uh, all sorts of species all across the globe, allowing them to then invade areas where they were not uh, intended to be. But my thoughts are, what if we were, in fact, a byproduct of nature meant to spread all of these animals, plants, etc. Think of just like how certain vegetation has uh, certain seeds that attach to fur or clothing and they are then spread all over the place. What if we were designed to in fact spread everything, not only across the globe, but into the stars? Maybe we are put on here for that very reason to spread everything. Just a thought came to my mind. Love your guys' show. Love what you do. You can use this if you choose to. Uh, My name is Disco Funk, and I hope you have a wonderful night. Yeah. 
Yeah, disco funk. Matt, what stood out to you about this? Well, I thought it was a fascinating concept. Uh, really? That's why I wanted to talk about it. <laughs> you know what popped to me, though, is who's to say we're not that thing that he's describing? You know, on on, on, on a certain evolutionary level, when, when you compare seeds and seed pods and insects and the way they're able to spread their seed across the, the land, um, we do that, too. It's just on a slightly different scale and with a different mechanism. Yeah, and it's evolutionarily fascinating to me because Disco Funk is taking us there to that place where many a plant species uses birds to their advantage to spread their seeds, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, trees and squirrels get along real fine because of the way they like to knock seeds and uh, acorns and all kinds of things off of trees. They ended up, the squirrels eat a lot of them, but some of them get planted because of them squirrels and they're excited of uh, ripping of things off of trees uh, or, you know, flowers and bees and that relationship bees, and how yeah. it formed, right? In the pollination process. Mm. It is interesting to think about intelligence as something that has arisen from evolutionary processes, maybe not purposefully, accidentally, just through sheer you know, force of will. It's arisen as the thing that can function as a spreader of seeds, a spreader of species, and theoretically a spreader of itself, of intelligence to other planets eventually. Mm-hmm. If it can mm -hmm. survive long enough. I don't know. I agree. Cool. I agree. I agree mm. with you guys totally because, again, uh, we always have to say it louder. Once again, for the people in the back, there is no operative real definition of intelligence. The human brain studying itself finds itself endlessly confusing. And what I like about what you're saying, Matt, what, you, what um, this reminds me of is Maybe the argument of intelligence, we keep it into practical methods, right, which would be successfully reproducing and expanding through a number of given environments, and that's one of the easiest, most practical ways to define it, uh, then then we look at the constraints. Humans often think in terms of an individual instance's intelligence. Person A is quote-unquote intelligent. Person B is quote-unquote um, more or less intelligent, right? So it's a weird comparative game, but could we not argue that ant communities are intelligent? They successfully construct a metropolis, right? Every time they expand, they have very sophisticated reproduction rituals, feeding rituals. They, they practice agriculture. And I'll say the quiet part out loud. A lot of ant species also practice slavery. Uh, what about bees? That as a, like a group mind is, is quite intelligent to the question that disco funk is exploring here, which I'm grateful for is we would want to look at the overall history of the the most popular infamous primate, the human species, and see whether there is a tipping point, or you'll love this one, an inflection point, uh, after which they stopped spreading different uh, organisms and started killing more. Right, because we're in the middle of the sixth mass extinction, but before that, before this ongoing extinction, yeah, man, a ton of stuff 
plants and animals alike spread because they went with this human fad. It's so nuts to me when I learned that the avocado should not exist in the modern day. It only exists because of human beings. Sweet. Thanks, us. <laughs> yeah, great job, everyone. And wasn't uh, there a time where, like, the idea, like, the avocado is sort of like maybe won't exist for forever? I mean, you could say that about a lot of things, unfortunately, right? I just there, seem to remember yeah. there was our buddy Ramsey had a podcast pitch for a show way back in the day. Stuff you, sh- you will miss. You will miss. And I believe the first episode was about the humble avocado. Hmm. Well, I, I know there's a difficulty or there's a very difficult conversation coming up with humans regarding water use and agriculture, like very thirsty products such as almonds. Um, they may pose a threat to potable water for ordinary human beings. Uh, so maybe that's part of it, but I, I remember what it. you're mentioning, mm-hmm. but I don't it's remember a, the specifics. Pop, yeah. Popped into my head. Another thing that popped into my head with all this conversation about evolutionary levels and mechanisms of uh, uh, extinction and creation is this quote that I, I, I read uh, from Stanley Kubrick, the, the genius uh, and cantankerous, uh, notoriously difficult film director, um, bit of a nihilist. Uh, you can tell by this sentiment here that he expresses, uh, how would a sentient ant view the foot that crushes his anthill as the action of another being on a higher evolutionary scale than itself or as the divinely terrible intercession of God. Mm-hmm. I know that's not directly pertaining to what we're talking about, but it just, it, you know, it's all about levels and scale and perception, you know, of the level above or beneath you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Wow, Hashtag yeah. dark tower. Oh uh, yeah. Or super symmetry. I, I mean, it's a it's a great question, too, because right now from Earth's experience so far as is known, there's a tremendous disadvantage in understanding intelligence, understanding sentience, sapience, life, because there is a sample size of one. There's one planet that people know of that is doing this one thing that we collectively call life. And it's, it's really interesting. I, I can't remember... If we ever talked about it, but um, I had one of those mind-blowing conversations with uh, a biophysicist many years ago, and it was about exploring space. We all love space on the show. Most, most of us listening today are probably big fans of exploring outer space. It seems to be the destiny of the human species. And this biophysicist, whom I will not name, told me they did not want to go to space. And their argument was that life on Earth is designed for Earth, which I felt was oddly conservative for this person. But, the, but I still wrestle with it because it does feel like the job, doesn't it? Mm. Capital T, capital J, the job of life is to expand. It reminds me of that sentiment that William Shatner expressed, uh, I believe, in his memoir about his trip to space and um, describing kind of what's referred to, I think, collectively as the overview effect, that Mm -hmm. rather than being filled with a sense of wonder and discovery, you know, seeing the Earth from outer space, he was filled with a sense of dread because exactly to your point, Ben, Earth was meant for Earth life. And it's sort of like, you know, seeing it in the context of the greater vastness of, you know, suffocating black space. 
face uh, filled him with a sense of dread and sadness because of how this earth and this life might not be long for this universe because of the choices that, you know, human beings have made. Whoa. Guys, that's why I wanted to uh, really thank you for having this conversation already, because this is why I wanted to talk about this stuff. Uh, Y'all think, for lack of a better term, out there. Right. I just don't get to talk with anybody else like this. So thank you guys. Um, mm. I, it does make me feel like from an evolutionary perspective, it's not the humans have never been the end point. And I think in even the argument here uh, or in the suggestion that we're getting from disco funk humans, as we stand right now are not that thing that's going to go to the stars. And I don't think we ever meant to be the things that go to the stars, but mm-hmm. we were meant to design the things that go to the stars and boys, I propose a massive conspiracy behind all of it. Let's Are you ready? It. Oh, so, so ready. We talked recently about reproduction and, uh, changing out certain types of DNA within human mm-hmm. cells that make up mm-hmm. that, which is a human. Yes. First part of this conspiracy talked about human cells, enslaving mitochondria for their own purposes. I propose that that's the other way around. Mitochondria enslaved the human cells to do their bidding, to work for their purposes. Those same mitochondria, the tiny little bacteriums that became mitochondria, are on a journey to one day pilot metal beings into space. And Love it. <laughs> so you're talking like sen- sentient particles, essentially, huh? S- uh, sentient microscopic organisms because that's where it all began where do you think (laughs) philosophers refer to these building blocks like I think it was Descartes maybe Um, I'm a little rusty on my my philosophy but referring to monads and sort of like the precursor to cells at least in terms of the description and these sort of like sentient building blocks of reality and of you know humanity Uh, I love this idea that you know that these are the ones that have the quote unquote intelligence design you know again it's tough to say intelligent design uh in an environment where no one can really define intelligence but i love what what you're conveying here uh matt good friend of the show robert lamb uh creator and co-host of stuff to blow your mind is all about these conversations was kicking it with him a while back and talking about this idea right the and we've said this on the show years and years ago uh there is a, a fundamental lack of perspective in humanity assuming it is the end point you know it's kind of how a lot of people assume the world is going to end in their lifetime when the world ends for someone literally every day uh there's a great argument that humans are sort of for lack of a better word i don't love the gendering of it but humans are sort of the midwives of the future thing that will explore the cosmos and it's quite possible at least from what humans understand of life today, that the first extraterrestrials met by earthlings, whatever form they end up in, is going to be the descendant of some other organic thing from long ago, something that got purposely built to withstand the terrifying demands and rigors of outer space and gamma rays and radiation and so on and so on. And I love that you're bringing up monads, Noel. I think that comes from, maybe I'm confused. It was Pythagorean followers who originally thought of the monad as like the supreme being 
and then maybe it was ah uh, Leibniz. Leibniz, correct? Leibniz. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But that's like that's an idea. Like the the concept of size is really what defeats us. Size in terms of three D space, but then size in terms of time scale. So there, I, I love this conspiracy that it's been mitochondria all along. They took over. They took over these other cells way, way back in the day before humans, and now they're steering the show. Because as we know, they outnumber human cells, right? We established that. Yeah, but they've been, they've been commandeering vehicles this whole time. They've just been upgrading over and over and over, and they upgrade their vehicle, right? Because animal mm-hmm. cells are just, they've been chilling with these mitochondria mm-hmm. for, I don't know, millions of years, millions mm-hmm. and millions of years. They've been around. They know what's up. And they figured out that these humans, they seem to be able to get a lot done with those hands of theirs and those big old brains that we are also a part of and steering. So, you know, once we can actually create the ships uh, and the machines that are powerful enough, we're good to go. We can spread to the next giant sphere. And then eventually we could mitochondriaize. Just <laughs> churchifying. I love this language. Uh, we can mitochondriaize a planet or a galaxy and move up on the Khrushchev scale. We should also say, Matt, to, to add some further octane to your beautiful conspiracy here, mitochondria are present in plants and animals. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They've been running the whole game. It was big M from the top. They've been riding evolution ever since it started, man. They started from the ooze. Now they're here. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're yeah, yeah. The, pri- the primordial <laughs> boys. That was the name yeah, of the yeah, gang. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. When they went, they emerged from said ooze. It's so it's so fascinating though to think about that because these kinds of conversations really, what we're seeing, disco funk, is that if you get far enough along the horizon and the curve of known science, you very quickly enter the realm of philosophy. If anyone works in the rarefied airs of uh, higher math, physics, stuff like that, or even the rarefied air, the very small stuff, like examining quantum behavior, then when you see the people who know the most in the world about these fields, when you see them interact together, their conversation becomes much like a philosophical discourse from days of ancient human civilization. I think it's cool. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's why it's theoretical, right? Because it's like we we can't really observe these things existing in nature, but there's a whole lot of interesting conversation to be had around. And I know there's math and there's science behind theoretical physicists, physics. I know it's not all just a bunch of conjecture and like, you know, brainstorming or whatever, but there is, to your point, Ben, a certain philosophical core to these kinds of conversations. I think that's really interesting and a very great observation. I would agree with it. You know, maybe we should, you know what, guys, maybe we should go have a field trip and just just hang out at a local university and see if we can see if we can uh, pay the boffins in, I don't know, like beer or copies of the books or pizza to <laughs> to tell us about this stuff. I That's used to boffin currency right there. Pizza, <laughs> right. pizza and beer. Right. right. Maybe they'll it's, help us move while they're at it. <laughs> but uh, I, I just want to get a you know some tabs on these mitochondria. Like we need to get some wiretaps. We need to figure out how to get in there. Figure out what these mitochondria are planning. Teeny tiny wiretaps. <laughs> it's gonna be a bunch of gurgling that we're gonna record, Matt. That's all it's gonna be. 
We're going to figure it out. We're going to crack this case, guys. All right. Well, uh, that's it for now. Thank you so much, Disco Funk, for sending us that thought experiment. We will be right back with some shout outs and some awesome stuff. You just wait. We'll be right back. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Just you wait. We have returned. I hope you had a good break. We're not at liberty to disclose everything that happened to us, but we are legally required to apologize if we have in any way misrepresented mitochondria. There's literally nothing else we are allowed to say about that. uh, Thanks to... As always, to our sponsor, Illumination Global Unlimited. Yeah, um, I, I, I do hope that people understand, like, we're having fun with concepts that we don't actually believe that mitochondria are in control of everything. I, but it would be fun if they were. But that's not what we're saying. We're legally required to tell you that is not what we are saying. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, moving on there, we wanted to we wanted to have, you know, just a little, little, little quick uh family time here. And and before we do that, we're going to have a bit of foreshadowing courtesy of someone who's going by Amdroid. So Amdroid says, hi guys, I just wanted to see if you have any perspective on the craziness of tipping in the U.S. For anybody outside of the U.S., you probably know about this. This is editorialized on my part just for background. Tipping is when you give a certain amount of cash or a certain amount of payment 
over the stated amount. Sometimes it is in terms of absolute dollars. Sometimes it's in terms of rounding up. Often it is in terms of some sort of socially agreed upon percentage. Android says, I work off tips, so I understand the need. I'm an independent contractor, but I've been noticing and reading about how all sorts of transactions are requesting tips now. Retail stores, drive throughs online shopping, etc. I bought some colored contact lenses online, and they asked for tips. I've read about some places asking for tips at a self-service drink cooler and even a self-checkout. I think says Android. It's just another way for big companies to get away with paying their employees less than living wages and putting some moral dilemma on consumers, since most of us tip out of obligation. Anyway, curious to hear your thoughts and love starting my day listening to you guys. This is foreshadowing, everyone. We are putting out an episode on tipping. We're quite excited for you to hear it. Uh, And we in the interest of full disclosure, we don't accept tips here because, I mean, other than good leads on stories, because I, I don't think we have the technology to accept tips. That would get kind of weird, right? But we would take them. I would take them. <laughs> you guys don't need them. I'll take them. I will take them if they are in ancient currencies. It's all, I, all I'm messing with now is, is outdated currencies. Black Monday murders persuaded me. Sick. What do you guys think, though? Have you, like, before we get into the episode on this, let's just spend a little time here. What, have you all encountered some kind of, like, escalation in tipping, for lack of a better word? Have you seen it become more common or more people asking? I feel like we just talked about this. There was, gosh, I never know if it's on air or off air when we talk about things, guys. There is an escalation that is occurring because there's an awareness of what employees of, you know, in-service industries go through, right? The amount of money that they're paid on a regular basis and then how much they depend on tips often. So now that there's a larger awareness from the societal perspective, it feels as though everybody is okay with tipping a little more if we are going to go out and go to a restaurant, go to a bar, do something that requires a tip. Uh, because we're, it's, we're all more accustomed to it now at this point because we want to support everybody, I think. I think that's what's happening. I think maybe also I've seen a little bit more of a becoming a little more common for gratuity to be kind of built into a check uh, for certain sized parties or whatever, or for there to be a little scale on the bottom that kind of tells Mm. you, you know, what you should be tipping. And usually that scale starts with 20 percent and goes up to, I think, even around 30 percent sometimes. So but it's also still I think I did. I think it was on air. Maybe I brought up the idea of like, you know, I had a nice dinner with my partner um, in Nashville, you know, a few weeks ago, and it was a pricey dinner, but, um, our server didn't really do anything. You know, that she wasn't bad. She gave us fine service, but did she give us $85 worth of service? And just because the bill is $300 or whatever it was, I'm not, I'm not saying that's what it was, whatever it was, does she deserve 20% of that large amount in tip? You know, when we were very quick, we were actually on the way to a show. So we did not linger. We were not extra. We did not ask anything additional of this person. Um, and, and she was able to turn that table over and could have, you know, had a massive party come behind us. It was actually only a four top, so it couldn't have been massive, but maybe a party that would have really lingered and, and ordered more and more drinks and had an even larger bill. I just, I, I did it because custom, you know, uh, expects it, but I did not necessarily feel that, that, you know, whatever that 20% on that larger amount was 
had been quote unquote earned. And maybe that's even like out of date thinking. It used to be that, you know, the idea of a tip was like, well, did you receive excellent service? And then therefore you tip accordingly. And but God forbid you get maybe horrible service and don't tip at all. You hear situations where someone will follow you out to your car and be like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. And understandably so. This is a massive part of their income, you know, but it's also with that, there's sort of a social contract, right? Of like, I'm giving you something for what you're tipping me outside of just because you don't tip fast food workers. You don't tip even Sonic car hops, but maybe you do. I think we actually had this conversation, too. I think maybe some people do tip Sonic car hops as, as well. You should. They're doing a whole little song and dance for you. But I don't know. I'm, I'm rambling a little bit, but like it is interesting to me. And I just wonder what y'all think about the whole idea of the amount of the check versus the amount of work that the person is doing. And are they entitled to 20% of that larger check, even if they don't really do anything? It's exactly what Android is asking us or getting toward. And that's that's the question I'm posing. I understand, like, as, as a entity that exercises empathy, I understand that there are people's livelihoods on the line here. And again, it's it's deeper than the individual interactions. It is the system. You go to many other countries and there is already um, a gratuity or service charge included. And the idea of tipping would be rounding up to the nearest mm-hmm. note, you know. Um, in some cultures, of course, tipping is considered offensive if you're doing more than rounding up, like in, in many parts of Japan. Well, because the implication is that maybe they don't make enough money and they you need, they need your tip or something, right? Right, right exactly. Uh, very similar. That's one of the big pieces. And one of the reasons that I'm so excited, aka stoked for this uh, tipping uh, is a conspiracy afoot episode, is because we're going to lean on you for help fellow conspiracy realists, we want to hear your input, your reaction to Android's questions, the conversation that the five of us are having now. It goes in a lot of directions. You know, the question of when tipping is appropriate. Here's another interesting one. What is the line between tipping and a bribe? Right. (laughs) Because the people in Washington are arguably doing the same thing that people do when they want to get a nice table at a fancy restaurant. Well, you guys also recall there was a time where I think Lyft always had the ability to tip, but Uber did not implement the ability to tip into their app for a long time. And it wasn't until kind of they were pressured to do so. Um, You know, and people just don't really carry cash. So it's hard to tip your Uber driver if there's not a way to do that within the app or unless. You go the extra mile and do PayPal or you know Venmo or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think all three of us have shopped at a at a wonderful grocery store in Atlanta called the Your DeCab Farmers Market, um, which has a a large proportion of its staff is made up of immigrants. Um, and uh, there is a you know if you go to the deli counter or the meat counter, there are very conspicuously laid out signs that said that says that the employees are not allowed to take your tips. That seems off to me. 
I've always thought that seemed a little off because they are giving you extra service. You know, they're they're asking you how thin or thick you want your your meat sliced or, you know, they're they're giving you extra attention. You should be able to tip them. But for whatever reason, it, they will get in trouble if you uh, if you give them a tip and they won't accept it. Uh, and I'm not, only, not saying that immigrants are, are inherently like always some kind of like underserved or impoverished community or whatever. But I mean, it does. It, they often are uh, and they often don't get the same benefits you know, uh, as, as, as other folks, you know, who maybe are, uh, citizens or maybe they're on the path to citizenship, but they haven't gotten there yet. I'm not trying to throw the cab farmer's market under the bus, but who knows if maybe there's, they're being a little bit, uh, tricky there knowing mm-hmm. that people won't fight back against that because they need the employment because maybe they're not fully legal. I don't know. Well, and, there, there are also, uh, to that point, there are, to unpack this a little, there are many institutions that clearly establish the employees are not allowed to accept tips or compensation of any sort past their agreed upon compensation with their employer. Some grocery stores are like that. I think uh, Publix practices that as well. Some of those institutions will say, we don't need tipping culture to enter because we have taken pains to pay our employees a living wage, an adequate amount, right? They're if saying we're not true. passing that responsibility on to you. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what they're saying. Yeah. There's also um, DeKalb Farmer's Market, which I love and have been a regular patron of for many, many, many years. Uh, they have a very interesting thing that you will probably not encounter unless you happen to be in that little Little holler of Georgia, which is they practice a buddy system. The employer has built out a paired system. This isn't going. We've got other stuff to get to. I just want everyone to know this. If you are at DeKalb's Farmers Market, you look at the name tags. You'll see that there is a black dot or a white dot on these name tags. That is due to the employer's personality test. That all employees take, which finds whether you are yin or yang, and you are paired up with your opposite. I I have not read the test. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Check it out. Again, just like the Toynbee tiles, there are secrets all around us. You just have to dig a little. Um, I think they still do that. Uh, they are a private, privately owned company, so they also they don't, don't have, like, accept a shareholder credit cards. board that they have to reply to. Or, mm-hmm. or oh, yeah, they also don't accept credit cards. They do accept personal checks, which, which is, is also weird. unusual. Everything mm-hmm. there is kind of higgledy piggledy, but uh, it's it's a wonderful place. And anyway, again, not throwing them under the bus. We love them, but they, I'm using them as an example, you know, mm-hmm. or as as a uh, uh, let's call it a thought experiment. And so would love to hear your thoughts, folks, on tipping. Uh, be aware that your your perspective, uh, your your perspective, your experiences may end up in some way in our upcoming episode on tipping and whether or not there is an escalation in requests and whether or not this is anomalous. Can't wait to hear from you. Uh, You don't have to be in the service industry to weigh in. All perspectives are valid. Uh, I was thinking we could close out with just some, again, wholesome family time. Matt, you did something uh, that I absolutely love. When you shouted out animal photos, pet photos, earlier in uh, in today's listener mail segment. And I think we just want to give a special shout out to Fox, Mulder, and Bigfoot. Uh, they live with a human called Sarah. Thank you for sending us your pet pictures. Please send us more pet photos. We're always super down. Ben, what's that term when the cat has extra digits on their paws? 
polydactyly. Yeah, Poly-dact- I think that's what being polydactyl. I think that's what Bigfoot has, and Bigfoot's awesome. Bigfoot's a chunk, man. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> meant with great affection. Bigfoot, yeah, Bigfoot's got that Hemingway paw thing going on, uh, and then also. This is this is something that we always enjoy doing. We got a really cool letter from our old pal Samurai and Matt. Uh, you read this, Noel. You read this as well. Here we go. The letter begins. Samurai here. I would like to ask a favor. My son is getting ready to transition from elementary school to junior high. He's going out with a bang. Graduating from sixth grade with a 4.0 GPA, perfect attendance, principal's list, and just received the Mary Ortiz Award for Outstanding Citizenship. He's an exceptional kid. If you can, give him a shout out. Use the name GSW Gunter. So what do you say, Matt? Shout out to Gunter? Uh, major shout out to Gunter and shout out to father and son for going on awesome camping trips and then writing about it so other people can learn and explore with them. Yeah, that's so cool. We both, we read that one. Yeah. So we wanted to end it there. We love shouting out uh, the community. We were talking about this um, a little bit earlier, right at the open of the, of, of this show. It is nuts. Uh, how many times people have, have written in and put in that line. I grew up watching your YouTube and now, now I'm uh, what graduating college. Oh boy. The time, how it flies in a flat circle. Big, big thanks to Amdroid. Big, big thanks to Disco Funk, our new favorite author, Alex Crespo. Big thanks to Samurai. Big thanks to Sarah. Big thanks to everybody who wrote in, if you want to join the show, because we do this every week, uh, all you have to do is contact us. We have any number of ways to get in contact with us, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, uh, MySpace. No, I'm kidding. Uh, we've got our Facebook group. Here's where it gets crazy. Conspiracy Stuff Show on Instagram. Conspiracy Stuff on YouTube. You can also find us on TikTok. And if you do not sip the social meads, no worries. You can call us directly on your telephonic device. Call this number. one 833 stdwytk It's a voicemail system. You're going to have three minutes when you call in. Say whatever you'd like. Please do include some kind of nickname. Doesn't matter what it is. Just give yourself a nickname. And then let us know if we can use your message on the air or not. It's that simple. If you want to say more than can fit in that three minutes, why not instead send us a good old-fashioned email? We are conspiracy at iheartradio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. 
Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com.